I hope that um, you all are looking forward to the year ahead. I don't know what kind of memories or experiences that you are coming out of from 2018, or what kind of goals or expectations you might be striving for in 2019. But as we leave one year behind and we step into a new one, we all have that same experience of leaving something behind us and stepping into something new. And I think that our scripture verse for this ladies' night out really celebrates that. It's from Philippians 3.13, where Paul says that he is forgetting those things which are behind, and he's reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And I never read this scripture without reading verse 14 with it, where Paul tells us that he is pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The King James Version says, for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. And I love these verses, and I have considered these verses my life verses for quite a few years now. And I love them for a number of reasons, and one is because they tell me that all of that stuff behind me, all of that baggage, all of the, the hurts and the pains and the disappointments and the failures and the hard places, all of it cannot and will not stop me from pressing forward. In spite of whatever's been before or whatever I'm going through right now, I know that God has a calling on my life. And I know that he's called me to himself and he has a plan and he has a future, and he has a hope for me and for you. And his word tells us that it's a good plan and a good future and a good hope. Nothing I experience is going to keep me from reaching forward to those things that God has planned ahead for me or from pressing closer to that goal of that high calling, not only in, in that life beyond, in heaven, but all that he wants me to experience of him in the here and the now. Psalm 27:13 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I can just say a hearty amen to that. I absolutely believe that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me and he will call me to himself. But I would have lost heart if I did not also believe that he has a future and a hope for me in the here and the now. And he does. His goodness and his blessings are all around us, right here, right now, in the land of the living. Psalm 68, 19 tells us, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. And I have found that to be so true in my life. His blessings are too many to count, even when my eyes aren't open enough to see it, and even when I'm too distracted to notice his many, many blessings throughout my day. As we look at our scripture verse in Philippians 3.13, Paul tells us that he's forgetting those things which are behind. And I want to park there for a minute. 
I want to talk about that because I think that it is so important for us to have a proper perspective of what Paul is saying to us. And in order to do that, I think it's important for us to understand what he is not saying. Paul isn't saying that we never look back at where we've come from. And he's not saying that we don't examine where we've been or look at those hard places behind us. And I can say that with confidence, because I see all throughout his letters to the churches places where he recalls in detail those things that are behind him and those things that the Lord has delivered him from. All of those things behind us, all of those places where we've been, and all of those experiences that the Lord has brought us through have formed and shaped us into the person that we are and the person that we're becoming. And God uses all of those things as tools in his hands to continue to mold and shape us into who he's created us to be. We know from Romans 8.28, we can all recite it, that all things work together for good. And that includes all of those places and all of those experiences behind us. And I think one of the awesome miracles of that is that those tools in his hand also include the hurts, the pain, the losses, the mistakes, the failures, and the disappointments. He uses all that's behind and all that we are going through right now to reveal more of himself to us and to build our character and to create in us a heart of compassion for others. And there's value in taking an inventory of what's been in order to glean from what's behind us all that the Lord wants us to glean. And that gleaning really helps strengthen us and equip us to move forward with a greater confidence in his love for us. And I'm going to do a little bit of that with you tonight as I've been asked to share with you a little about my experience in this last year and a half. And my heart in doing this is not just to share the experience with you, but hopefully to share more with you what I've gleaned from it. I've kept um, a journal during this last season of my life, and I have named it my journey through breast cancer. And like so many women before me, to be told that you have breast cancer was the very last thing I ever thought that I would hear. Um, breast cancer doesn't run in my family. In fact, um, as far up the family tree as you could go, there has never been anyone diagnosed with breast cancer. So to say that this came as a shock is a real understatement. I was shocked. I was rocked. I was frightened. I was scared. I was numb. All of those emotions all at the same time. But what I really want to share with you tonight is how present God was in the midst of all that. And even before I ever heard those words, it's been a long journey, and that journey started in September of 2017. 
I, um, I often read a devotional called Daily Light, and I'm sure there are several of you out there that are familiar with it. It's a grouping of scriptures that all share a, a central theme that are put together, and there's no commentary added to it. And there's a morning reading and an evening reading. So on September 4th, while I was waiting for an upcoming appointment for a second diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound, the Lord spoke to me through that day's reading in one of those ways, I'm sure we've all experienced it before, where the words just come bouncing off the page at you and your heart starts pounding and you know that the Lord is speaking something very personally to you. The very simple opening scripture was from Ruth 3.18, and it simply said, Sit still, my daughter. It went on with additional scriptures saying, Take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. Be still and know that I am God. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Reading down a little further, it said, In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And it concluded with, She will not be afraid of evil tidings. Her heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Her heart is established. So, I read that devotional and I sat back with a pounding heart. And my first reaction was to look up and say, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? And all that day I felt my boat starting to rock. And all day long I, I found myself just asking the Lord, what does that mean? And that night when I opened up my daily light to the evening reading, it was almost like an answer to my questions. The opening verse was from John 13, 7. And I was totally rocked when I read that opening verse that said, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. The verses continued with, You shall remember that the Lord your God has led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, says the Lord God. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to trial you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, and when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things that are seen, but at the things which are unseen. You know, it still gives me chills when I read it. And I remember laying in bed that night, feeling like I could hardly breathe, knowing that the Lord was speaking something very personally to me and not really sure if I wanted to know what was behind those words. On September 13th, I was called back in for a biopsy. And on September 19th, 
I got the news that I had breast cancer. Invasive lobular carcinoma, to be exact. My doctor said that she wanted me to contact a breast surgeon right away, and she handed me a business card. She told me that if I had somebody else I would rather see to let her know, and she would write me a referral. And Chris and I left the office that day, and I remember just feeling numb. My sister Carrie wanted me to see a doctor named Michelle Carpenter, a breast specialist that she knew of out of St. Joseph's in, in Orange. And she had a stellar reputation, but she was also very hard to get in to see. So I called her office, and I was told that she didn't have an opening until late October. The receptionist asked when I called what I needed to be seen for, and when I said the words, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer, I remember barely being able to get those words out of my mouth, and out of nowhere the tears came, and I started crying, and I, I just remember how compassionate and kind that receptionist was, but she was also very sorry that she wasn't going to be able to get me in any sooner. So I hung up and I pulled out that business card and resigned myself to make an appointment with the breast surgeon that my doctor had referred me to. But I got a call back from Dr. Carpenter's office about an hour later. And the receptionist said, this never, ever happens, but we've just had a cancellation. And I will hold this appointment for you if you are able to get hold of your films from your mammogram and your ultrasound and the biopsy report and bring them with you. If you can get hold of those things, we'll be able to see you at 1.30, but only if you have your films and your report with you. Well, I, I wasn't very hopeful, actually, when I called the breast center where I had those tests done. That was very short notice. It was 10.30 at the time. But I talked to the technician, and I told her my story. And she asked me when I would need the, the films and the report. And I told her, oh, by 12.30, so that I can make a 1.30 appointment in Orange County. Well, she hesitated, but then she said, you know, it's not that busy this morning, so I think I'll be able to do that for you, and I'll have all of that ready for you at the check-in counter. I knew that the Lord had really worked a miracle for me because that was just unheard of. So I made it to that appointment, and when I got there, all of the girls in the office, the nurses, the receptionists, everybody, they were all just buzzing, talking about me. They all kept telling me, I can't believe you're here. I can't believe you got hold of your films, and I can't believe you have the report, and I can't believe we had a cancellation. This never happens. You must have been meant to be here. So if I hadn't already realized that the Lord was working miracles for me, I certainly would have realized it once I stepped into that office. Um, it was at that appointment that Dr. Carpenter first spoke the word mastectomy to me. And I was thrown completely off guard. I wasn't expecting those words. I really wasn't. I don't know what I was expecting, but that wasn't it. And 
I really felt like the floor was crumbling underneath me and I had my first really big meltdown when we got home from that appointment. The doctor had explained to me that she um, thought we were looking at a simple mastectomy. From what she could see from my films, I would probably need no chemo and no radiation. But she was very careful to let me know that that was all preliminary, not confirmed. And she ordered another diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound. And I'm sharing all of these details with you because these are the places where God's fingerprints became most evident to me. And as I look back, these are the places where I would really consider his divine appointments. So I went, I went into um, the doctor's office for those next tests. It was the day of the week that the doctor who read the tests was actually there reading results. And when he read my ultrasound, he thought he might have seen something a little suspicious in one of my lymph nodes. So he decided that he wanted to do a biopsy on the spot. I, of course, again, was just really thrown off guard, as was my poor husband, who had been sitting in the waiting room now for over two hours, not knowing what was going on. I sent a nurse out to please tell him what was happening, and I'm sure that even added more to his anxiety. But you know, in the midst of all of that, the nurse assisting the doctor, uh, whose name was Liz, started up a conversation with me after that procedure was over. She asked me where I worked. And when I told her that I was the office manager for my church, she told me that she also was a Christian, but her husband was not. And she just began pouring out her heart to me about what she was going through in her marriage. And her situation was really heart-wrenching. And I asked her if I could pray with her. So here we were in this doctor's office praying. And as we were praying, tears were just rolling down her cheeks. When we ended our prayer, she threw her arms around me and hugged me, thanked me for being a listening ear and for praying for her. And I just left knowing that the Lord had ordered a divine appointment in the middle of all this other stuff I was going through. Um, when we went home, we had to sit and wait for another result to come back in. And when it came, my already tilted world tilted some more. The result came back positive. They saw cancer in my lymph node. Once again, I just felt blindsided and frozen like a deer in the headlights. I was really, I just felt like I was on autopilot, barely able to put one foot in front of the other. Following that biopsy came an MRI. And while we were waiting for MRI results to come back, my doctor called and gave me what she said was good news. She said that my cancer was ER positive, or hormone receptor positive. 
I found out later from my oncologist that it was ER positive by over 95%, which in her words meant that my cancer was all about hormones. I had been on hormone replacement therapy for a number of years, so the first thing they did was to tell me to stop taking those hormones immediately. And this brings me to another miracle that the Lord did, because I had tried to wean off hormones a number of times with side effects that were so bad that it was just, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. And so here we were, at this place where I had no choice, regardless of what those side effects were, I had to quit, and I had to quit now. So Chris and I prayed together that the Lord would intervene and that he would help me to wean off those hormones and not have side effects that would just be too unmanageable. And the Lord answered that prayer. He answered that prayer in a really big way. I stopped the hormones that day, and I have had no symptoms other than an occasional mild hot flash. When the MRI results came back, they said that the cancer had grown since my first ultrasound. And they decided to put me on hormone blockers before surgery in order to arrest it from getting any bigger. So now, not only was I not taking the hormone replacement therapy, but now I was going to be taking hormone blockers that would block any natural hormones that my body might have still been making. And I had had several women come to me who had traveled this path before me and had uh, been on hormone blockers who told me that when they started taking them that their side effects were so bad that they could not continue. Not only did they have hot flashes, but they had joint pain, they had swelling, they had side effects that just made it impossible for them to continue that treatment. So Chris and I went to prayer again and asked the Lord for another miracle, and he gave us one. I have been on the hormone blockers for over a year now, and I have had little to no symptoms at all. The fact that my lymph node biopsy was positive changed my original mastectomy, simple mastectomy, to now having a modified radical mastectomy, which meant that they were going to be taking most of the lymph nodes under my arm on that side. It also meant that it was going to be a longer surgery than originally planned. And it also meant that I was probably going to have to wait longer to get that surgery scheduled at the hospital. I ended up having my surgery on November 13th of 2017, and a week later, at my follow-up appointment, my doctor had two very important pieces of information to give me. First, upon examination of the lymph nodes that they removed, they found no cancer in any of them. That's the good news.
including the lymph node that was biopsied. My doctor was so taken aback that she asked them to go back and check it several times, which they did with the same results. Second, the bad news. My cancer was bigger than they had anticipated. It was bigger than the magic five centimeter mark that they use, which meant that I had to have radiation. She told me that they would give me eight weeks for a tissue expansion in preparation for reconstruction, and then I would go through six weeks of radiation five days a week. The radiation began on January 29th, and it meant leaving work at 2.15 every day in order to make a 3.15 appointment in Orange County for six weeks. And all of that meant another really great disappointment for me. Um, Chris and I had been signed up for the Israel trip that happened earlier this last year in March of 2018. And um, our kids, Michael and Michelle, had gifted us that trip. And it was, it was a lifelong dream. And now radiation was taking it away from us. I would be just finishing up that treatment as that trip was getting ready to leave. I, I can't really express in words, so I'm not even gonna try to, how disappointing that was. And I, I was left with just so many whys going through my head. You know, why did that doctor have to see something on that ultrasound that caused me to have a biopsy? Why did it come back with a positive result that wasn't really positive? Which changed my surgery from being a simple mastectomy to being a radical one? Which made me have to wait longer to get in to have the surgery? Which might have been connected to the fact that the surgery or that the cancer was bigger than the five centimeter magic mark when the surgery finally took place? which resulted in needing radiation, and which caused me to lose my Israel trip. <laughs> that was, those were the whys going through my mind over and over and over again. Each thing that happened led to something else, and I was just left with, why, God? Why? And you know, the Lord doesn't always answer those questions. But one day, while I was just thinking about that lymph node biopsy and wondering why everything happened the way it did. The Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, if the only reason was to spend that time with Liz, ministering to her in her great time of need, would that have been enough for you? The Lord wasn't telling me that that was the reason. But what he was really telling me was that I needed to trust him even when I don't know the reasons. As I was preparing for radiation, I had several people come up to share with me their experience and to encourage me. And I had one friend who told me that it was actually one of the most wonderful, intimate times that she had ever experienced with the Lord. 
Like me, she had to commute uh, a little bit of a distance for her treatments, and that time to and from became a real time of blessing for her. In fact, she told me that she cried on the last day of radiation because she didn't want it to end. She didn't want that time with the Lord to end. So naturally, I started praying that, you know, the Lord would let me have a similar experience and that every day as I was traveling on the 91 freeway, it would just be this amazing, precious time with the Lord that I was going to look back on and forever cherish. But, you know, I wish I could tell you that it was like that. It wasn't. It wasn't like that for me. In fact, to be really honest with you, I was on total uh, autopilot. I was just trying to get through what I had to get through. I did have some precious times with the Lord, but nothing like what she had described. But during that time of radiation, I met a gal whose appointment was right before mine every day, and her name is Gwen. Gwen has cancer of the esophagus, and her situation is a very difficult one. We formed a friendship sitting in that waiting room every day, and even after the treatments were over, we still stayed in touch, texting encouragements back and forth to one another, and I am so thankful for that friendship. We still keep in contact today. Like I said, her situation is very, very difficult. And I just thank God for that divine appointment that he placed in my life with Gwen and all of the opportunities he gave me to share the love of Christ with her. So now here we are. We are closing the door on 2018 and we're opening it up into a new year. And a lot of this journey is behind me. It's been a long road and it hasn't yet come to an end. I will have follow-up appointments and I'll be on treatment for years to come. But my prognosis is a good one. Praise God. And I have so much to be thankful for. I have a husband who has been the most amazing support that a woman could ever ask for. He has gone to every appointment with me. He has sat for countless hours in waiting rooms. He has held me when I've cried. And he never ceases to tell me that I am still beautiful to him. I'm so thankful for that. I know so many women who go through this journey without that. So thank God for the man he gave me. I also have an amazing support system in my family. My daughter, my sisters, my sister-in-law, my daughter-in-law, my my extended family and my immediate family have been such a support to me. They have been constant in prayer. They have walked this journey with me in an amazing way, and I'm very, very grateful to have them. And I have this Living Truth Church family 
And so many of you have just been such a blessing to me. You have listened to me. You've encouraged me. You've prayed for me. You've brought meals to me after surgery. You've been there. You've been a presence, and I just thank you. I also have Jesus, and his presence in the midst of all of this has probably been my number one takeaway, the number one thing I've gleaned, and I have gleaned so much, and I know that there are things that, that I've gleaned and that the Lord is working in me that I even have yet to realize. Um, so often... We see a clearer picture of God's face in the midst of pain and in the midst of hardship. I wish that wasn't true, but it is. But you know, that breaking that the Lord does in our lives also produces a healing that helps us to draw closer to him. Hosea 6.1 says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he is torn and he will heal us. He is smitten, and he will bind us up. And I have felt that healing, and I have felt that binding up in this last year and a half. God's presence in the midst of my brokenness in this journey through breast cancer has been the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. It's one thing to know and it's another thing to know experientially. He's been so faithful to intervene, to work in and through my circumstances, to speak to me out of his word, to open doors that were shut, to miraculously place me in the hands of the amazing doctors that have been a, a part of my treatment plan. And he has planted so many divine appointments for me along the way. And I've only shared just a few of the things that he did for me throughout this journey because it would just take far too long for me to tell you all of the things that the Lord did, all of the ways he moved on my behalf and each step that he walked with me through this. And as I've looked back and I've reflected on his faithfulness, my trust in his love has just grown so much deeper. Reflection on God's faithfulness as we look back always gleans for us a trust in him for the future. So we've talked about what Paul didn't mean when he said he was forgetting those things that are behind. So then what exactly did he mean? Well, I think that we see the answer to that question in what he says directly after that statement. He says that he is reaching forward. He was more focused on what was in front of him than he was on what was behind him. Although there is value in seeing where God has brought us from and in recounting the works that he's done in our lives all along the way, we are not to pitch our tent and camp out there. We might occasionally visit what's in the past, but we aren't to take up residence there. If we do, we become paralyzed, and we become unable to move forward. The whole purpose in looking back is to view and reflect on God's faithfulness so that we have a greater confidence to move forward. 
It's never for us to make our home in the memories of the past or to make a comfortable spot to sit and lick our wounds. The answer to all of the whys is something that I know I'm probably never going to, to find out. But looking back and seeing the evidence of God's love and his fingerprints in my circumstances, it's helped me to trust him even when I don't understand any of the whys. And for me, it also means that I don't want the rest of my life to be defined by breast cancer. Breast cancer is something I went through. It's not who I've become. It's funny, but you know, when I hear things about breast cancer survivors, I very rarely put myself in that camp. We were at a, an event last summer where they were honoring breast cancer survivors, and as I was sitting there, it just kind of dawned on me, and I thought, oh, yeah, I guess that's me. I guess I am a member of that club that nobody wants to join. But you know, that's not what I want my identity to become. I want my identity to be who I am in Christ. And that's true of all of my life experiences. I don't want to be identified with any of those things in my past, except for one, the experience of coming to the foot of the cross. I want to be known, I want to be identified as a woman who belongs to Jesus. So, as we gather up all that we have gleaned from the past and all the lessons that we've learned, we keep moving forward. That's Paul's encouragement to us. That's what he's telling us. He doesn't let the past keep him from pressing on. And you know, I love that he uses the word pressing because it lets us know that it isn't always easy especially when we've gone through those experiences that will forever change our lives. Whether it's breast cancer or some other hard medical diagnosis, a painful divorce, the death of a loved one, or another great loss that you know you probably are not going to ever fully recover from. Moving forward from those things is difficult. It takes great effort. It takes determination. But what is so amazing is that we see Paul with this motivation to press on that was so much greater than any of his past experiences. And that motivation was God's call on his life knowing that God had a higher calling for him and that there was something better ahead of him gave him the determination to move forward towards it and to not let the experiences of the past slow him down. He focused his attention on pressing forward into that high calling. And you know, we all, all of us who are here tonight in Christ, we all have a high calling. My specific calling might look a little bit different than yours. We might be called to different things. We might have been given different gifts to accomplish different purposes. But the common purpose that we all share is to know him. 
and to live a life that honors him and to share his love with others. Another thing that I have gleaned from my experience in this last year and a half is that life is unpredictable. You know, we don't know what's on the road ahead. And we can't make assumptions about the future. Life is a gift. And we better live in the present. And we better not waste the opportunities that are given to us today because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. What I do know and what I've had so confirmed to my heart in a much deeper sense is that whatever is on that road, my Lord will be on that road with me. That I know for a fact. And when my boat starts to rock, Jesus climbs into that boat with me. I know his presence is going to be there no matter what. Life is unpredictable, it's a gift, and it's an adventure. And you know, I often think of that word adventure with this kind of a, I don't know, positive romantic feeling to it. But Webster's definition says that an adventure can be an undertaking that usually involves danger and unknown risks. Or it can be an exciting or remarkable experience. Those adventures in life, they can be exciting. And they can definitely have unknown risks attached to them. And they can come when we least expect them in very unexpected ways. In the aftermath of all that the Lord has brought Chris and I through in this last year and a half, he has led us into a very unexpected adventure, which started this past June. We were on vacation in Prescott, and both Chris and I, um, we just started feeling this drawing of our hearts there. And we kept looking at each other and, and kind of asking, what is this? We came home and we talked about it, and, and we decided to go back two weeks later and see if we still felt the same thing. And we did, with an even greater intensity. So we started praying, and things started happening. Again, way too many for me to share with you tonight, except to say that we kept asking the Lord for confirmation, knowing that this was a very difficult decision, a very life-changing one, with lots of unknown risks. So we kept asking the Lord for direction, and we felt like the Lord was just giving us confirmation after confirmation and answering very specific prayers over and over again. But the one I'll share with you that was the most powerful for me was when we put up our house for sale in August. We knew that we needed a certain amount from our house. And we also knew that that amount was well above all of the comps in our neighborhood for our model. And it was also well above all of the comps in any of the surrounding neighborhoods for a house our size. So I, I just felt like, Lord, you can put an end to this right here, right now. If this is not what you are doing, if you are not directing us, please don't let our house sell and don't let us get an offer that's even close to our asking price. 
12 hours after we put our house up for sale, we got an offer for $10,000 over our asking price from a Christian couple who sent a letter to us with their offer saying that they had been praying and praying, and as they came up the walk, they felt the Lord speak to them and say, this is your house. And I felt the Lord speaking to me, saying, is that enough confirmation for you? <laughs> so here we are. We are in the middle of an adventure in every way. Exciting, but certainly not without unknown risks involved. And we have moved in with our kids while we wait for our house to be built in Prescott, which has been very good. It has been an adventure within an adventure. And God willing, that move to Prescott will be sometime in April. And he's given us precious time here with our family and our Living Truth family before that move takes place. And I keep consoling myself and my daughter that we are only five and a half hour drive away and we will be back and forth often to visit. So we are pressing forward towards those things that are set before us, treasuring what we leave behind in California, but anticipating what he has planned for us on the road ahead. Although not exactly knowing what exactly it is. You know, we, we know it's not about a house. We know it's not about the pretty little town of Prescott that we've fallen in love with. And it's not about a new adventure. It's about his calling us. It's about the works that he's preparing for us to do. His plans and his purposes, the path that he's setting before us, even if we're not quite sure what that path is going to look like. What the Lord has planned ahead for you in 2019 may not be as big of an adventure as what we're going through, or, you know, it might be even bigger. You might be praying for some very specific things, some things that you're looking at that are in front of you. Or you might feel like every step that you're going to take on the path ahead is filled with nothing but unknowns. But whatever the case, I really want to encourage you. And I want to encourage myself as well to keep pressing on. Press on towards the prize of the high calling of God. And what is that prize? You know, immediately what comes to my mind is eternal life, which is true. But John 17.3 says this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. The prize attached to that high calling is to know him. We're told in Hosea chapter 6, verse 3, so let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. 
That verse, I love that verse. It, it paints such a beautiful picture, which could be a message all in itself. So let's encourage each other this year to press on to know him more. Let's press on to trust in his good plans and his good purposes. Let's press on with an anticipation that he has better things in front of us, things that he is prepared for us to do. And let's press on with a confidence that whatever lies behind us, God is going to use to equip us and strengthen us and prepare us for the adventures that he has planned on the path ahead. And I just kind of want to end tonight um, with this quote that I read recently from a book called A Grace Disguised by Jerry Sitzer. It says, gifts of grace come to us all, but we must be ready to see and willing to receive those gifts. It will require a kind of sacrifice, the sacrifice of believing that however painful our losses, life can still be good. Good in a different way than maybe before, but nevertheless, good. Please pray with me. Lord, I just want to thank you for your presence in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you are true to every promise that you have made to us, that we can count you at your word. I thank you that you have a future and a hope for us. And it's a good future and a good hope. I thank you that you pour out daily benefit upon benefit, that your blessings are all around us. And I just pray for each woman here tonight, regardless of what's behind her that, that is still painful and may be very difficult for her to move forward from, or the woman who is sitting here right now and is in the middle of a painful, painful experience that she's not sure how she's ever going to be able to move forward from. Lord, would you just take each face in your hands and point it towards you? And would you renew hope in each heart, Lord, that your loving kindness, your tender mercies, your plans, your purposes are good, and that she can trust you on her journey ahead. We just thank you. I thank you, Lord, with my whole heart for the things that you've taught, for the things you're still teaching, my own heart, Lord, on my journey, and I just Ask, Father, that you would go before each one of us and prepare our way. In Jesus' name, amen.